Hello and welcome to the Cube. I'm trying to get the fuck out of here. Matisse Van Rossum. This room is blue. Hi, I'm Cleveland Mosier. <laughs> welcome to the Time Cube. Four dimensions, four sides, everything goes. Have you guys ever gone to timecube.com? I have not, Ben Sheets. Okay. How's it, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. If not, you definitely should check it out. Yeah, what is timecube.com? Oh my god. We're starting this episode strong. You with guys an need to segue. enter that rabbit hole. It's like a super long, incredibly detailed website about this unhinged man's hypothesis that time is actually a cube. But it, I thought time was a flat circle. Time is a flat circle. How can it be a flat circle and a cube? I'm going to have to pull this website up and read the beginning of it. Okay. (laughs) Much like Cube, our podcast has many rooms. Timecube.com. Is it gone? It's down. Well, I know the dude died recently, unfortunately. Oh, that's probably why then nobody was paying. Oh, wait, 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 wait. No? In 1884, Meridian Time personnel meet in Washington to change Earth time. First word said was that only one day could be used on Earth to not change the one-day marshmallow. So they applied the one day and ignored the other three days. The marshmallow time was wrong then, and it proved wrong today. This is a major lie. Has uh, so much boring feed. From its wrong. Can we backtrack to what the fuck marshmallow time is? Like, let's. This lost me immediately. <laughs> like, let's. Uh, like, let's... yeah, I'm sure. It's, it's a stream of consciousness. Yeah, like. <laughs> Holy fuck! Are those diagrams? Yes. Oh my god. Okay. Yeah, I might honor the four days, or you should die. What does that mean? <laughs> 96 hour cubic day debunks one day unnatural god. One d- what 96 hour cube day <laughs> debunks natural god? What is happening? Yeah, that's, that's No really- god equates simultaneous 4-day creation and one earth rotation. What the Am I having a stroke? <laughs> I, feel, I feel like it. The real question is, is he having a stroke? And it seemed like the answer was yes. Oh, One I continuous think, stroke until he, he died. died. <laughs> I think this guy was very schizophrenic, very. to say the least. No doubt. Yeah, we're talking about Cube today. But not the Time right, Cube. But not, not the Time Cube. Uh, we're talking about the 1997 uh, sci-fi thriller horror film Cube directed by Vincenzo Natali. Nice. It's been years since I've seen this movie, but I really, really like this movie still. Yes. Same. Uh, this movie is an incredible example of doing a whole lot with very little. Very, very little. And I I think that in a lot of ways this film paved the way for franchises like uh, Saw and like Hostel. I I almost feel like this this movie was kind of early torture porn. It's not really torture porn, but it paved the way for that kind of setup where, like, a group of strangers wake up in an undisclosed location. They don't know what's going on. They don't know how they've gotten here. But there are traps and stuff that kill them in various horrible ways. This movie is really the first of those that I can think of. Well, it's it's interesting because they take that kind of stuck-in-a-maze... Right. idea you know the idea is 
uh, six different people are put into this weird 15 by 15 cube. It's 26 by 26. Oh, 26 by 26. Each side has a door that goes to another cube. Oh, you're talking about the dimensions of the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that is is 14 by 14. Yeah, 14 by 14. The entire massive cube is like 26 cubes across. And it's a massive, you know, like three-dimensional maze, essentially, but it's full of traps and whatnot. Um, But they take this idea of kind of being stuck in a maze and put almost a Kafka-esque absurdist spin on it. Yeah, totally. They're taking the concept of a labyrinth and they're putting it into three dimensions, man. (laughs) I haven't seen the Cube sequels, but what they really need to do is go into the fourth dimension. What if I told you they did? Oh, Oh, fantastic. (laughs) Cube 2, Hypercube? Yes. Uh, Is that why it's a Hypercube? Yeah. Because it goes in four dimensions? Is Donald Trump playing chess there? (laughs) Yeah. One of my favorite things, people who say Donald Trump is playing 4D chess. (laughs) It seems like what he's doing is stupid and unmotivated, and the ramblings of a late-stage syphilitic man whose brain is melting. But what he's actually doing is so brilliant that we can't even comprehend it without looking into the fourth dimension. The funniest part is I can guarantee Trump doesn't even know how to play 2D chess. Like... <laughs> You're right. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't Chapo Trap House, though. Let's not get too into, into politics. Um Yeah, let's talk more about Cube. Yes. Uh Like you were saying, this film is like such a fantastic example of how to do a lot with a little... Because they only used one single set, and all they did was change the color of the lights behind the walls. Question. Yeah. Do y'all know, have y'all seen any behind the scenes of the film? Uh, I haven't, Okay, because no. I'd, I'd be curious to know, like, if there is only one room. There is. Yes, there I do is know, only I do know one that room. For okay. sure. Very that, cool. I, I they do a great that. job of hiding yeah. it. Yeah. Of covering it's, it. Wow. It's, one, yeah. it's one single room. Every time they go into a different room, it's just the same room, but with the lights changed to different color. Mm-hmm. That's excellent, because, like, yeah. like, transitioning from, like, space to space, like, there's a number of shots where you can see, like, into the other room, like, clearly. Oh, like, well, I'm sure they would just, like, put up a wall behind them or something. Yeah. Of the same material. <laughs> or like, even a green screen and just... Put it in in post. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it looked good for that. If they, however, they did it. Yeah. Well, what I mean, what I would be willing to bet is that all of the walls are separate, and that they can move them as they need to, so they can move them to get different angles. So for those ones where they're in one cube and going into the next one, I'm sure they just moved one of the walls behind them when they're shooting, looking into the next cube, almost certainly. But they did just have the one set, and they do so much with that and make it feel like such a vast space with just, you know, that one room, which is really, really impressive, and that it doesn't get stale and boring. No, not at all. Well, uh, this movie is definitely low budget, you know. Extremely, yeah. Um, I don't know the exact amount it costs to make this movie. I'd but be curious to know. I would be surprised if it was any more than one or two million. That's what I would guess, um, too. It does not feel like a low budget film. Like yeah, the... 100%. And even the low budget elements of it, like, I would say the acting is kind of hammy at times. Yeah, every um, but it's more of a low budget charm. Yeah, to no, me every than it is. F- like flaw 
that this film has like okay. is is very forgivable i think like and generally I f- self-aware i found the budget it's three hundred and sixty-five thousand canadian dollars oh wow it's a canadian film i don't know what so that would be into. even less in u.s dollars yeah so I'm they gross they uh well, let's see damn like that's just about a guaranteed good turnaround Oh, yeah, I well, mean, they definitely made yeah. their money back. Yeah, I'll say. Half a mil, about, huh. yeah, worldwide. Good... Yeah, it was a... Uh... Limited release. I, I mean, yeah, know? totally yeah. limited But, release. like, this is a movie that has gotten a large cult following Quite... oh, since totally. it was released. To the point where they can make multiple sequels, you know? Um, did it was... Vincenzo Natale do the other two as well? Um, I don't think he did. I, I think, think so. the he did a couple other movies after this. His most famous uh, movie he did after this was uh, Splice. Yeah, came which out I, in two thousand nine. Yeah, which I saw with Adrian in Brody. Yeah, that's a weird movie. Interesting movie. Not not great, but not great. He's directed very a, he's directed a lot of TV. I was looking at that too. He's he's done several episodes of Westworld and American Gods. Oh, and the lot the twenty eighteen Lost in Space too. Yeah, and Luke Cage and oh, Wayward Pines and Hannibal. So yeah, he's he's done a lot of uh, television. Uh, television stuff. Oh, Lots of television. Um, I'm I'm a fan of. Yeah, same. I I thought that was interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I think that this uh, this movie is definitely sort of a, a cult classic at this point. Um, I think for very good reason, because you can see sort of the other kind of films that it inspired and, you know, why it still has this uh, enduring legacy. I mean, Christ saw. Right, you know, exactly. Like, yes, is yeah. all you need, but then on top of that, there is a large list of, of films that you can trace back to Cube. I mean the the genre of of you know people waking up in a in an alien environment trying to escape you know with amnesia sorry people waking up with amnesia <coughs> trying to escape an alien environment is I probably could count them all on my hands. Oh, definitely. There's, there's not. a great number of those films of which I've seen. Uh, and, and I mean, because it's it's largely like a and video games video game too format. and exactly. stuff like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, exactly. What I really like about Cube too is that it's like a puzzle that they they're forced to work together to get out of. Whereas in a lot of others, it's like people don't necessarily have to work together. It's more about like survival of the fittest, like in a lot of the Saw sequels and stuff. Whereas in Cube, every single person they put in the Cube is put there for a reason because they specialize in something specific that will help them get out of the Cube if they work together with the other people and they combine their talents. It's a little bit oversimplified, I think, to an extent, uh, but in a way that doesn't really bother me too much. Yeah, and that kind of goes into the the hamminess of some of yeah. the acting, you know? Like, it is very over-the-top at times and oh, on yeah. the nose. Extreme. But like, And not when... just the, the, the acting, but also the writing. Yeah, which I'll definitely yeah, yeah. Um, it's but... weird for for a film that is so heavily character and dialogue driven. I think the dialogue and the acting are two of the worst things about this movie, well, but it still succeeds despite that. That's the thing oh, yeah. because like I don't expect realism or grounded performances in my cube movie. 
I'm okay with it being over the top because it is such an absurdist premise. Yeah, you know, enough inherently. films exist in the genre. Like, I'd I'd be happy to watch either, as long as like if it's hammed up, it's going to be entertaining. Which in this film, it very much so it is. is. Yeah. Uh, but you know, I like I like films that are taken. I think we all like films that are taken seriously as well. Like, and if I was if I personally was to have like a preference, I'd probably like one like one that's like fully taken seriously as well but that's not for everybody yeah but at the same time i don't think it would fit this movie pretty well i think the hamminess of the really? the the performances in this movie work for me because it is such an absurd premise and i think grounding it would create a weird kind of juxtaposition um because some of the effects are kind of hammy at times with the cg and oh yeah, well, and some the, of the, CG the inherent great, premise but... of it is very silly and over the top. So, I mean, I don't think the premise of uh, the premise itself is silly. I think the silliness is brought to the film by the hamminess of the characters, and it works in an entertaining way. But the premise itself is very simple: like massive sci-fi trap cube have to get out using math mm-hmm. basically like that's that's simple and i think that it could be done just as effectively in a more straightforward grounded way and gritty I, way too. I, I i don't think that that would take away from it i just think it would make it i a, think it would make, make it, it less entertaining film. though it would make it a different i i mean maybe it would make it less like laugh out loud fun entertaining but i think I, I mean, this is. I think it could be equally engaging. This is like, this is all pure, purely yeah, yeah. speculative because it would depend on who you have writing it, the actors you have playing it. You know, it's just it's purely speculative. But I, mean, but like, I think the premise could be done, yeah, like just as well. Alien, for, for instance, like isn't too different of a film. Like, there's a small collective of people having to work together to deal with with a significant threat. In this case, it's something internal on the ship, as opposed to them escaping the ship uh, or the the cube. But, like, Alien is very gritty, it's very grounded, it, it has very little to no campiness in it, and it succeeds. So but it comes like, down to the absurdism of the premise, ultimately, in my opinion. I would think that, like, the, the Alien is equally absurd. If not more. Cube is more, like, grounded in that there is no Alien. Everything at Cube in Cube is relatively explained. Is explained. I don't know about that. I mean, it's very Kafka-esque in this Cube. If we even know the true reason why it was created was created... Right, but all the science of the cube can be broken down. Like, all the traps in the rooms, they're all, like, sensors, they're all... I don't think that takes away from the absurdism, though, of, like, the creation of the cube itself, and the cube as a form in itself. I I do think it is is an absurd, high-concept thing, but I think it's far less than Alien, is all I'm saying. I mean, I, I think that what I like about Cube is that... We don't know the purpose of the cube. We have them speculating about it and the idea of... And I I do think that one of the things that works less for me in the movie is the guy talking like he's stating these facts definitively, saying that nobody is running the cube. Nobody made the cube for a reason. Just a bunch of different bureaucratic processes created this thing and put these people in it for no reason. I actually kind of like it's, that. I, I, think it's, I think it's a fun thing for his character because he's the nihilist of the group, so it makes sense that he would look at the cube from a nihilist perspective, but I don't like that they're treating it like that 
is definitively see the answer. i don't know if they're treating it like that i think they're treating Nobody it as his him, you know? his uh legitimate view on it you know it's, sure. it's mirroring his nihilism rather than saying it's the objective truth because ultimately we don't know i right. mean especially with the the last shot of the movie they do keep it very ambiguous yeah like i i think the film is still very open-ended on i like, love the last i love having the last shot of the yeah. film as just being the the last character alive like just walking into the blinding white light i do love that the world does not exist outside of the cube in the context of the film. I'm really glad that there's not like the, the saw stuff where we get like the flashbacks to what they were doing before they were taken and stuff like that. I'm glad there's none of that. Yeah. I appreciate the, the containment, you know, that for these people, the cube is all that exists and they have this idea about what is beyond the cube, you know, the idea of their lives and their meaning and their purpose in the world, but that's not important to the film. And I appreciate that. That's why I think, I, I think it works so well as kind of this absurdist type of thing, because it is just very esoteric yeah. and unplaceable well, it's a, in it, a lot of ways. It's, it's very much a Schrodinger's cat situation. Schrodinger's cube. Well, yeah, it is, it literally is, except that the people in the cube are the are the cat, cat. in this case, and it's whether the world outside of them ex- it simultaneously exists and it does not from their perspective. So I do think that that is a a, a fun sort of twist on that idea to look at Schrodinger's cat from the perspective of the cat and see that it is essentially the same. Big fan of that. I th- I think that the the premise of this film is by far its strongest point and yes. why, and why yes. it works. And I think that, unlike you, I don't know if I agree that it works because of the hamminess. I, for me, I think it works despite the hamminess because it is such a strong concept and that the ideas behind it are really clever, um, especially treating the cube as like a puzzle box and having to uh like look at the serial numbers in between each cube to be able to determine where each cube is in the larger yeah definitely cube. And I, I think that stuff is really i think clever. that stuff works excellently yeah. you know that uh, it's weird having a horror movie so based on math right you know mm-hmm. um but for it but the thing is like i would argue that it simply adds to it it no, does I it's not you, actually it's like, not good because of the hammy acting but like a lot of times with Kafka-esque stuff, you do get very sure. large performances because, you know. Yeah. And this film yeah. definitely doesn't feel like navel-gazy, I think, because of, like, the ham. And I, I agree. I don't think that this film succeeds in spite of the hammy acting. I, I think that it does bring a good deal of charm to the film, uh, and with the writing as well, because, like, there's a lot of, like, mm-hmm. very... Uh, directly presented like philosophical concepts that I would wonder if like these characters in like a survival scenario would be like f- philosophizing that way like which feels very stage play esque. I I still liked it for that and and I think it did it did like bring a certain like character to the film and enhance it. I think that if the film theoretically had been done seriously well, also it could have been equally good. Like, and it could have been good because of those things, too. I think that there's multiple ways to have a great Well, movie. that's the thing I like about it, though, is because of Tammy and Over the Top, it's less about real survival, in my opinion, and more about the ideas 
behind the stuff, you know, the idea of the cube, the idea of sure. uh, Schrodinger's cat being stuck in an endless maze. Um, whereas where if it was more realistic, I think it would be more based on the survivalistic kind of stuff, which is definitely in there. Could be. But I think it's toned down a little bit in light of bigger ideas. Sure. And it also kind of lets you like mentally play in the space a little bit better uh, while you're watching the film because you're less attached to the characters and because you're not necessarily seeing it as such a tangible thing, you know, is, is something that is a little bit less based in realism and gripping. Uh, because they're kind of hammy characters. Yeah, it lets you sort of, like, be a little bit less attached to them. And in a horror environment, like, sometimes well, that can that can come to succeed, sometimes it, it doesn't. And, and in this case, I think it does. The characters themselves are very archetypical as well, Quite. which I think that sort of helps with the hamminess because it's not so much about, like, the characters exhibiting nuance. It's that they're filling a specific role, uh, so that, so having very one note performances from each of them sort of enhances that idea. And that's not to say that the film couldn't be done with more nuanced, complex characters. I think that that would be very interesting in its own right, in a very different way. But if you're going to go with the archetype method, then I think that that is like having one-note characters is probably the way to do it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, for sure. Um, and it definitely, because this film tries to get into the philosophy of it, and largely I think it has a, I won't say it succeeds, but it has a good time with it. And it does make that easier, you know, when you have that almost like stage play yeah. sort of representation. Yeah. That, um, what's the, oh shit, he wrote Candide, the, like the, the French philosopher who would write stories, you know, that sort of... Voltaire? Voltaire, yeah, it's, it's very Voltaire-esque. Like, having... Like these these philosophers in a scenario, and you know the film exists as a dialogue around them. You know, and this kid's like, oh well, is it a you know was this set up by the government? Is a right hand knows not what the left hand is doing, but there's still a puppet master in charge of this weird cube thing, or is it just a bureaucratic mess? Is it just something that happened, or is it aliens? We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, is it all three? Like, who's to say? Well, I, I like that the that the doctor character uh, also turns out to be like yes. the t- the, the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. Sure, which I think is pretty funny considering that like she is a doctor, so she's like a very logical, rational minded person. But she's still one of those like if this film was set in modern day, like she would be an Alex Jones type. You oh, know? of course. Uh, which which I think is is really. Fun. Funny. And largely believable too. Like I've met plenty yeah, of people. Yeah, no, like, I, I, I definitely, know, I buy know. it. It's, it's not what I would expect from that character. Like I would expect the conspiracy theorist to be like the student, the math whiz girl, or something. Yeah, uh, or like, like some the, the escape artist character. Or, oh or yeah, like, you know, like like a lower income, like you know, kind of rednecky person. Man, probably. that's that's a really great subversion of expectation that the escape artist character is one of the first to die great it does a great job really setting the stakes of the rest of the movie too outside of the very cold open scene where we get the guy very coolly the one guy cubed up oh Um, man that's some like for for the low budget like the the effects the, the practical effects are really good like yeah when the dude gets sliced into just a bunch of different pieces by like the dice the one yeah. Yeah, yeah literally literally diced uh into into uh just a bunch of pieces 
um, meat cubes. Meat yeah, cubes. cubes. That that cold open is fantastic. Yeah. I love it. And that but, effect is so great too. Yeah. yeah and but, just watching like him, you know, kind of tumble apart was was really definitely good. gross. It, as well. It's yeah. very visceral. It's well but done. besides that, the the first real trap that we see is from Ren, yeah. who's the you know escape artist master. And then up he's until then, out seven different yeah, presents. up until then, oh, he seems like he's super on top of it. Mm-hmm. And to subvert that by uh, making him the first to get killed by traps. Well, it's great because he's approaching testing each room from a very like common sense, like street logic based approach. He ties his boots, you know, with a with a long shoelace and, like, throws it into each of the rooms to see if it triggers a motion-activated trap, you know, which is smart. You know, he even catches that, like, some of the sensors are based on, like, smell or something like that. He can tell because the air smells dry in, in the room. So it's, like, very logical, but then he dies and so we see that just that basic kind of like street smarts is not enough that in order to really detect the traps there there's a higher level of logic required which turns out to be math based which is very cool and also i would be screwed in that situation (laughs) absolutely a whole time i was watching this movie i couldn't stop thinking it's like man if i was in this situation I would be completely useless. <laughs> like everybody has, you know, their their own special like niches. Like you got the doctor, you got the guy who's the cop, you got the the math whiz, you've got the guy who designs the outer shell. Everybody fills their niche. I'd be like, uh, well, I don't have the upper body strength to climb through the doors in the ceiling, so. That's my special ability. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't, I can't exactly like paint my way out of that situation. <laughs> right. Yeah, and uh, no, it's it's true, and which is great too for like any of your any average viewer. Yeah, uh, one uh, one thing to oh, I know, do like, want to go back to the Ren thing for meeting. just a yeah. second because uh, he does he is the first to die, and it really sets the stakes because yes. his death scene is one of the most visceral moments in the movie. True, it's amazing before you describe it can i can i mention one thing about him too like that was very personal for me sure and i'll 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 have you i'll let you describe it because that's fun the first time i watched this movie i must have been like maybe 16 or so like and i was just getting into horror movies if i'm remembering correctly and when i was a child growing up there was this weird like canadian show called red green that was about like a a handyman sort of guy and it was like Really hard to get a hold of. For whatever reason, my family had a VHS, like, tape of it. And this guy was in it. Oops, sorry. I mind. remember seeing it all the time on public television. Yeah. Yeah, it was a mm-hmm. public public television sort of show. And we had it we had it on tape. And so I grew up, like, watching Red Green on repeat. So it was, like, a very, like, key part of, like, just a niche bit of aspect of my childhood. And that actor's in it. He plays, like, this, like, skeezy neighbor who's always stealing shit. So whenever Red Green's, like, inventing something with him, like, he, he all of his parts are usually, like, stolen or whatever. And, uh... It was just really weird for me seeing this character, like, from my childhood that I had, like, this weird association with just getting, like, killed off in this movie, like, brutally. So, anyway, continue on with that. <laughs> so, you just imagine, like, young me watching that and being very confused. Yeah, well, he, uh, he goes into a room expecting no traps and he gets sprayed by acid. Yeah, like, sulfuric. Like, yeah. right in the face, yeah. And they pull him out of the room 
And it's one of the best effects in the movie, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. His face it's one of just the only really graphic essentially the, the just caves one. in, and it's just like a, a hole, a huge a hole in bowl his Bowl face. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the effect is incredible. It looks really good. Yeah, yeah. It, it's great. I like the crusting around the edges. Yeah. Like the yeah, the, the, the smoking and the sizzling. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really nasty. Yeah, I, I think it's the only other really visceral death that we see in the movie other than the, the first guy, the guy getting diced. It's such a great way of building tension for the rest of the movie, though. It, oh, sets, yeah, it sets the stakes really While we don't well. really get any other scene as visceral as that in the rest of the movie um because we saw that early on to a character we thought was had his shit together it really puts us in a mindset of they need to be super careful not only do they need to be super careful but also odds are they won't make it out alive which helps which kind of again helps you like bridge that distance a little bit and like play in the world mentally while you're watching the film cuz the odds are they won't make it out of there and it's rare that a film can set those set that precedent and then defy that at the end and you know relatively believably or sat in to a satisfying degree you know normally when it's against all odds like the character has to do you have to do a plot armor or some shit to actually Well get them what out I of it. what I actually like about the ending of the movie is that the only person who escapes is the one who is least equipped to do so. That he gets out because of the work of everybody else, but ultimately their their own personal egos and survival of the fittest reptile brain stuff you know, turns them all against each other and ends up getting them all killed. And, like, the mentally handicapped guy who, if he was left completely alone, would 100% die in there is the one who's, who who makes it out. And believably, too. Right, exactly. Great. Like, yeah. it, it's, it's almost more of, like, a fluke of events. Like, and, and it's the, one, the, like, he does have agency in. Like, he, you know, he very much so, like, is responsible for getting out of the queue. Well, I but... mean, yeah, he's, I mean, he get, he helps get them out because he's, like, a savant. So mm-hmm. he can, he can help the, the math whiz by immediately knowing the, the factors of these, like, enormous numbers. Yeah, all just, the prime numbers. Just, yeah, he's, you know, he's Rain Man, basically. But, like, it, it's them having to move him from room to room and help him. He otherwise wouldn't be able to. And he's also, in a sense, the purest because he's the one who's completely devoid of the ego and the mistrust that ends up biting everybody else in the ass. And I think it works so well uh, putting that kind of metaphorical spin on it. Having yeah, totally. him be the only pure one because he's not he doesn't have enough function to be jaded by kind of the evil of humanity you know and in some aspects i kind of see this movie as kind of a metaphor for purgatory in some ways or original sin stuff like that where all these people are trying to reach heaven which is you know the outside but all of their shortcomings essentially keep them totally. Oh yeah, well, and I mean, the film is very aware that, of that too. That's... It's just like him walking into like the the, the holy light at the right. end, yeah. the blinding light, yeah, mm-hmm. into into salvation. Uh, well, I mean that's that's really the great thing too, is because like together this collection of people have all of the skills to get out of the cube, all of them together. Mm-hmm. You know, like if they would just trust one another 
and totally work together and do it for the sake of the group rather than the sake of the individual, they all would have made it out. But it's because they're naturally, like you said, they're jaded by the real world and they don't trust people and they are, they're egotistical and self-centered. So that ultimately ends up in their self-destruction. You know, it's just like in D&D. If they had done it, if they had been party-centric and they had tried to get out of the dungeon together, they would have succeeded. But because they weren't party-centric, they ended up failing. Mm-hmm. And they then they died in the dungeon. Yeah, you know it's cool too because I think that I like to think that the the cop character I definitely want to dig in a dig on a little. Yes, bit. this movie is very anti cop. Yeah, which well, I yeah, it, it's interesting to endorse because <laughs> like it, it's very clear too that like he by the end of it especially like he is he is not one of the good ones. <laughs> you know he's, <laughs> no. he's a bad cop. Like yeah. you know by by the end he has a full blown psychotic break which I I enjoyed and I, and I think almost that you could theorize that he was placed uh amongst them like as a trap even against his own knowledge because he sort of acts as the inverse of the mentally handicapped character what was it does he have a name is he named in the film kazan kazan yeah, yeah. like he's he sort of acts as like the antithesis of kazan because yeah. he starts out being the self-appointed hero character he's a well, sort of white knight who he's... tries to be like the team leader He's decisive. He, at the beginning, he does succeed in, like, snapping everybody out of their, their you know, shocked inactivity because he himself is so driven by survival that he, you know, wants to get out. So he does fill that necessary niche in the party of being the decisive leader who motivates everybody else. Well, but the problem is he's too mistrusting and egotistical, and like you said, it leads to him having a psychotic break where that overwhelming, that aggressive mentality ends up, like you said, being a trap. It and destroys on the party. top of that, one of the funniest turns of that, the most interesting turns of that is one of them initially said, we should just stay here, right? you know, and... Because Quentin, the cop character, was so adamant about keeping moving to escape right. the the maze, they they moved, and ultimately they found out that the the room they started in was probably the room they should have stayed in all along. It was it was the room that connects to the outside as the bridge. Yeah, that if they had just stayed there, eventually that room would have moved back to the entrance, and they could have just walked out. Yeah, that's that's a really fun twist. And it's it's realistic too because like if you were in that situation, I think 100% of the time you would always leave the room. You would only stay there for so long. You would never if put in that situation think that if I stay here in this space where I woke up, eventually it will allow me to leave, which is why it's so ingenious that that is like that's all they should have done they should have just stayed still but who's gonna do that nobody yeah. ever the first time you see it too it's also a great twist that the that the rooms in the cube move so it's like you can't even track your fixed progress because the it's constantly shifting well it's cool because they do inevitably they are able to track their progress because of like the the because the, of the, the numbers right but yeah. they have to they have to use a a much more uh, complicated formula. I also love that in the movie that the the progression of the significance of the serial numbers, 
what they mean because you know at first they just are like oh well if uh if any one of the numbers in the sequence is prime then uh then that room is a trap so that's how they know how to avoid traps but then they realize no they're actually markers on you know a three-dimensional map to show where we are in the room uh okay so i can figure out how to get to the edge oh shit well the rooms are moving oh no the numbers actually turn out to mark the progress of you know the rooms their original place in the cube and how they move throughout it so the the significance of the numbers becomes more and more complex throughout the film which is i think an excellent progression it's how it's how you keep the tension moving while using the same materials that you have from the very beginning which is really clever writing oh yeah it 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 turns it back into a mental maze without having exactly they're you know they're able to progress the story without having to introduce new elements it's just recontextualizing the elements that they already have which is great I, it's one of the things i like so much about the movie yeah. it turns a singular box set into a magic forest yeah really mm-hmm. yeah with all of its own little rules which is just wonderful because i i mean that's that's my favorite thing especially like like coming from us to like being like into video games so much, you know, which are you know large like story based puzzle boxes, largely yeah, totally like, like I, that that appeals to me very deeply. Like the any any film that has a like sort of a big a big puzzle to solve like that, like a labyrinth to navigate, or you know some sort of escape room situation like in Saw. I always I always like. Yeah, this is a movie for nerds. Is what you're saying? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Math horror. one thing i want to mention really quick is the ending with the ambiguity is so good and it really hits home kind of the ideas and concepts of this film i do want to touch on just for a second with the second one they do they do have a bit of an ambiguous ending but they try to explain a bit more and honestly that's my biggest problem with the second one it makes me appreciate kind of the the simplicity of the ending of this one there, all the more there are ways to do ambiguity right and there are a lot of ways to fuck it up like well it's a... The, with a film like this that's about solving a puzzle you have to be so careful like setting it up because the the payoff of the film should be solving the riddle what is the cube so to have me come out of it still not knowing like exactly what this cube is and being quite satisfied with the film is a feat like it's well, yeah it's well because it's what what is the cube doesn't matter so exactly. much as to how do we get out of the cube mm-hmm. like and uh, the 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 way that they they steer around that is very good because yeah. at the beginning it is it is about what is this cube like and they have that whole, like that whole series of conversations about it and by the end it's like fuck it doesn't matter we just have to get out well that's the thing you know a lot of the shortcomings of the characters are because they're so determined to figure out what the cube is you know they're so quick to point the blame on each other for putting them in there or creating the cube yeah. or stuff like that that they kind of fall short because of that. Now, now here, I, here's a question I have for you guys on that subject. How do you guys feel about the revelation that the one character is like a like an architect and that he designed like the the outer shell of the cube? How, do y'all, how do y'all feel about Loved that? Loved it because they presented it as a twist and. 
especially when you compare it immediately to Saw, which has Jigsaw in his own puzzle, right. is the twist for the first film. I love that there's a double subversion there. The first subversion being this regular guy is was actually associated with it. And most films would stop there, and he'd just be, like, culpable, and there'd be... It would be revealed much later in the story, and he'd be some sort of antagonist. This film subverts that a second time uh, by the end of that, that dialogue sequence where you find out that he's just a guy. He's just a guy who designed the outer shell. And beyond that, like, he's not culpable. He doesn't know what's going on. For him, it was just a good, well-paying gig. I love that. I, I thought it brought a sense of realism to it also. Well, yeah, and the nice thing is while it is there, it still doesn't explain what the cube is. Yeah, we still or, don't like, know if what it was, if... created it in any way, right? Which is which is why I I can't even say that I really have a problem with it, just because like I don't necessarily want to know more about the cube because I think that is the strong suit is that it doesn't matter, and having him be involved in the creation I think almost hurts it, but at the same time it is necessary for his character motivation, for him to have this nihilistic viewpoint that adds to the world building. So it's weird for me. As a device, I don't like it very much, but I think it's necessary. So ultimately... The reason it works for me is it feels like the three blind mice and what the elephant, I think it is, where uh oh, there's three blind men like feeling yeah, the elephant. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. one of them thinks it's a snake because he's holding the the trunk. One of them thinks it's a tree because he's you're touching, touching the back. The leg. Leg. Yeah, 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 so yeah. he he has a bit of it, but right. he still doesn't Correct. know the big. Well, picture. that no, that's that it's a build on it too. If he knew any more than that, I would definitely not like. Oh yeah, no, yeah. for sure. And I think that the fact that he the fact that he doesn't really know anything beyond the the dimensions of the cube because he built the outer shell. If it was any more than that, it would, it here's, would piss me off. Here's why I think it's almost fundamental, or it's almost necessary that the information he has needs to be delivered for the film. Because up until then, you could be wondering, is it aliens? Are they dead? Is it whatever else like that? And all and what he essentially brings to the table is that it was at least largely made by people. Yeah. And, and so that means that all the laws that we can apply to the cube are of this world. And, like, and so we know that we can. it can be solved with science, it can be dealt with, and, it, and that is brought up at a very crucial point in the movie, too, where that's where, like, the, the math and the science really starts kicking off. Well, right, because he knows the dimensions of the cube, so the the math nerd exactly, and it all sets off can, fi- can figure out how to map their progress through the cube based on its dimensions, and that they know that it is a perfect cube, right. that it is at the same length, width, and height. And from from a moviegoer's perspective, up until that information is given to you, the most logical step, again, not from a realistic perspective, from a moviegoer's perspective, is that they were um, abducted by aliens and right. put it in like a, yeah, put in sure. a trap to be, to be analyzed. To I be love studied, that yeah. because they could that could still be the case. They could still be part of like some psychological survey, or that could be one of the functions of the cube. Well, right, we they, know there are sensors in there; they're probably being watched. It's not. It's not coincidence that they all happen to have a piece of the proper skill set to get them out. You know, like they're they're chosen for a reason, but why that is is not important. Which I like, and I I think you're right. I think 
I think my problem with it is just because that scene where he's explaining all of that and they start arguing, the dialogue probably bothers me in that scene more than any other just because it's not very well written. Because it's very open. But I think in terms... It's very direct exposition. I, I think you're absolutely right. Like, in terms of being a necessity to the plot, like, you're absolutely right. Like, it is it is essential information, and it it's a good way to deliver that uh, that information. I just don't think the dialogue is very well written, and I think that's the case for most of the movie, and I think in that it's scene... It's definitely it, not believably in that scene, written. In that scene, it bothers me the most, and maybe that's why I'm just kind of like, eh, I don't know, but no, you're you're absolutely right. Yeah, it's, and it's, it's important. It's, tricky. it's important. Like, y'all are, y'all are right. the, the ambiguity there, like, is is fundamental, and I and I also fully agree with you that like knowing any more information would would It'd harm, be too much. Would, yeah. yeah, would harm it. But but just enough to know like that it's made by people gives me a great sense of wonderment about it as well. Being like, holy shit! Like the fact that like something like in this world could be built like that's that large, like underground. Where is it? It presents so many new questions. A lot of which are asked. Like, uh, by the characters as well. And I love that. Because that's also, like, when we start to see, like, the Doctor spiraling out a little bit and going on, like, her her kooky ideas about, like, right. the government and shit and the other guy, like, and the same guy just, like, shuts her down. And, and again, like, him being a nihilist is so fundamental in that role because he he almost irrefutably believes that no one is responsible. But think also, like, that in a way is a mechanism to admonish his own guilt. Sure. Right? Because if someone is responsible, point. he's responsible. And he 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 wants to refute that however he can. So his only option is at that point is nihilism or it's either nihilism or be guilty. And by the end of the film it catches up with him. Like and he does. You still see that he does he guilt sac- into Yeah, he sacrifices himself. Mm-hmm. He refuses to leave because he has nothing to live for, but it ends up uh he ends up making the noble sacrifice and holding back Quentin so uh, the mentally handicapped guy can still escape. So oh, yeah. he he sort of redeems himself for his uh, his part in this great sin. <laughs> um, yeah, no, y- y'all y'all are right. I I appreciate that. I, I think it oh, is. Oh yeah, well, that's what we're here for, right? Just like to discuss the the nuances of the film. Yeah, I just uh, some of the dialogue is just bad in this movie. No, and, and like <laughs> your like your your approach to that was very valid. Too, like to that perspective it's just like it's hard for me to buy stuff like that because i can't stop thinking like that's not how people would talk, talk yeah and and i think that that's why it stands out as like something glaring to me it, which is weird because like from a structural standpoint like this film is really well written it's just like the dialogue is just not good right well it's 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 not how people talk it's how that information needs to needs be delivered to be, to yeah, yeah. yeah. Script. and which it's is, not like and it's not like hidden is 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 much which is in most formats something that i would find extremely frustrating because i really i really hate exposition well exposition dumps and this in a lot of ways this entire movie is kind of an exposition dump sure i mean it's a, it's only on one set so so much of like the world building and it's all yeah it's all di- it's dialogue driven. Yeah. driven yeah no but it's it, that's the thing it's like i feel like Something like that that would normally frustrate me so horrifically in just about any other movie, I still think that this is a great film. See, and that's why, which is why that's... I was saying earlier that I think that the movie works in spite of that because I'm able to look past it and still get so much enjoyment out of the film as a whole. It's interesting, though, because the dialogue, while it's very not naturalistic in t- at times it reminds me of david lynch's work 
almost in that you know it doesn't feel like something people would say but it works because of the the, the strangeness and kind of the ideas yes i i i think i can be more forgiving of it in lynch's stuff because he is such a surrealist and that a lot of his stuff does just feel like the entire thing is a dream and I think that Cube is more, it, it, it's somewhat absurdist, but it's not particularly surreal. It's pretty grounded in, in the laws of reality. Right, like so when we're pulling from like stylistic cohesion, right? Like Lynch's films exist as like a, a, as a, as as a stylistically yeah. surreal. Whereas this film is trying to build around like laws and rules and such. I still think it works. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. What I'll say too about the dialogue, to kind of put a cap on that uh, for me, there are times where the dialogue suffers there are times where it doesn't and there's a lot of crossover in the film where i think that the dialogue is theoretically like well written it's just being delivered very in, in a very handy flatly, fashion yeah um well i have it flatly but very but too over stylized like overbaked like the cop the cop character like his descent into madness is very like very Vincent Price esque. Like he does a lot of like big eye, you know, like yeah, he's constantly and... like constantly bug eyed. Yeah, like yeah. He, he he and he kind of like does this weird like almost looks at the camera like like sort of moments and mumbles to himself. Like it's very like movie character going mad, not an actual descent into madness yeah, from exhaustion totally. or you know general like uh, hunger and fatigue. Now that being said, I love his ham. I love Vincent Price. Like I love those things. So it didn't bother me, you know, like in at all. Uh, but I, I think that like I will excuse like not every sequence of the dialogue, like what we're talking about with the the architect character and and whatnot. I think that those flaws still apply. Uh, again, they're very for- forgivable flaws because they're necessary. But when it comes to like some of the dialogue sequences, I also think that can be forgivable at times as well. Not all the time. I, I, there are no. Some there's a couple the of choice lines. Most definitely, where I, I, cover it, my tracks. I, I had <laughs> I, I had to groan at a couple choice lines. What are a few of them? I'm trying to remember. Usually, whenever the math girl talks about her brain, those made me groan. It's not a gift. It's math. Yeah. Oh God. Uh, oh geez. Yeah. yeah. I almost found, like, like at least, like, the very last one, I actually really like that, when he's, like, throwing her around and saying, like, you need to solve this problem, like, this this math form, and she's like, I literally can't, like... like well, that's the thing, it, it takes, works... Like, like, a computer processor. It works in the structure of the film, but the way it's delivered... The way it was delivered was a little crowd-worthy. Yeah, 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 I agree. Um, Speaking of the math character, I do... I had something I thought about. I don't see it as a problem for the film, necessarily i think it's a bit of a problem for the tabula rasa metaphor because she's also relatively like quote pure unquote like her character is is lar is a protagonist throughout the entirety of the film she's she's good she never makes any decisions that are um of ill intent she's she's not even responsible for like trying to to hold back the the cop who's already murdered several people at that point like, even then, like, she doesn't go that far. It's the architect who does uh, to try and save them. Well, because at that point, the cop has murdered her. No, 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 no. I'm talking about, like, when the they're all making their way to the end. She's solved the problem. The cop has killed um, the doctor, and the architect, like, shoves the door up on his head to try oh, and, like, hold that him point, back. That she's point, still very yeah, alive yeah. at that point. Yeah. And she wasn't culpable during that time. 
like during that like sort of quote betrayal, even though it's sure. it's, it's yeah. a survivalistic choice. I'm saying even for that, which is like justified, she's not she's made to be not responsible for. She is equally like yeah, no, pure of heart yeah, or whatever. True. And like agreed, agreed. It's it's interesting because she doesn't make it out like mm-hmm. by a fluke. Also, like well, just to be killed at the very she, end. Yeah, she I gets like that. Killed I like that. by the evil cop. Yeah. That, right. Uh, she she doesn't make it out not because of her uh, any fault of her own, but because she she is a she becomes a victim. Right. Which just gives mm-hmm. a, give us a great like tragic moment as well, especially for the very end. Uh, and also like it would have been a worse ending if she and Kazan Kazan made it out like together. It would have been weird. It wouldn't. Yeah. It wouldn't have had quite the impact. I I think I think she needs to die just because. Kazan making it out by himself is so much more poignant. Yeah, poignant and and significant for you know for that at the very end. You're absolutely right. Like she is a genuinely good, pure of heart character. By all, n- no less so than Kazan. You know, maybe uh, maybe a little bit it, maybe a little bit more jaded because you know she's not like mentally handicapped. You know, but she she is still. She is still that, you know, that good character. So she has every right to have made it out just like he did. Yeah, but and instead she sort of acts as, like, a virginal sacrifice, which is kind of... Like, sort of, yeah. You know, like... Yeah, you know. When it comes to, like, plot point, like, breakdowns. It's a little... It's a levy, but... But again, like, so we could get the, the cool moment with Kazan getting out at the end. I, I do understand it. And, you know, so we can have the dramatic moment of of Quentin coming back after they think that they've already killed him. Oh, you know? sure. Uh, of him to make a final appearance at the very end. He's Which, been... also, I do like, because they make it clear to you that, like, you can hear from the other cubes. Yeah. Like, you can believe that he just kept tracking them, like, that whole time. And that's how he got out. Uh, yeah, well, you'd think so. I mean, we we saw he fell through the hole head first, and we saw him lying on the floor with a big pool of blood under his head. So it's a little a little plot armory, I think. Well, to have, by the time he if he regained consciousness by that time, not only would his brain be hemorrhaging horribly, but also they would probably be several cubes ahead of on him. On the by flip now. side, though, but you know, you know, the, Quentin does of, throw the other guy into the cube below yeah earlier you know and he Multiple he is times. fine you know mm-hmm. it's true like and he, he falls he was already distance, injured but... he did that he had the cut in his leg that could have opened there there are a few like ways you could almost justify like uh, yeah. the, the blood and I, I don't it's a little overdone so that you don't expect it later on well, of course and, yeah, yeah. It needs, it, it needs and i agree to be, with that it needs to be a, a surprise threat at the end when they think that they've all made it out you know and also Potentially the cube that he was thrown into, because they don't read the serial number for that one, could have also transported him near them. Could have, towards absolutely. Very, and he would have only had to navigate, it's, like, one or two cubes. It's getting really nitpicky. When sure, I, I, it's I was, fun. I, 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 like, for me, for, I, I enjoy, like... You know, I don't mind the plot armor because it makes the ending more dramatic. Yes. I don't have a problem with it because it makes the ending ending more dramatic and I don't satisfying. Yeah. I don't either. You know, it's like yeah. it's one of the things that if you want to nitpick it and get really technical with it, you totally can. But um, you're missing the point. But of, yeah, so of it like, narratively. My thought is like I enjoy it for what it is, but I also enjoy the nitpick. Sure, like, it can and, be fun and getting into the 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 world building and how it's set up and why. I mean, totally. You know, like so, it's it can be fun, but I still like it for all those things as well. Yeah. Well, do y'all want to rate? Yeah. Is there anything else we needed to cover? No, I think we're good. Why don't you start, Cleveland? Okay, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a whole 25 gumdrops. 
Um, JK. Uh, the, uh, 25 bags 25 or boxes? Bags. Oh, boxes. They come in bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to give it, you know what, four out of five. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I think it's a, overall a pretty strong film. I've got problems with some of the dialogue and some of the acting, but I think that it's ultimately a really strong premise, does so much with so little, is so clever in so many ways, um, has some great effects, really fun to watch. Uh, a great sci-fi horror cult classic. You know, I, uh, It's a fun movie and it holds up. Yeah, it's great. I, I think so too. So strong four out of five for me as well. I'm actually going to give it a four and a half out of five. Ooh, I think uh, uh, this yeah. this is one of my favorite low-budget horror movies. Um, one of my favorite low-budget movies in general. Um, it's a great masterclass of doing a whole lot with uh, very little. It It has its charms, you know. Some of the writing and performances can be a bit hammy. And some of the logic isn't always super tight in spite of that it works because it's usually a charm of the movie rather than a shortcoming so yeah i I, it's definitely worth checking out all right uh so that'll be a 4.2 out of 5 pods for cube yeah and i think now it's probably uh time for a word from our sponsor right yeah uh sure sure is uh shoot It's not even just, a bit. Just, like, just, all right. Uh, <laughs> just read the copy, Cleo. I know, I know. You I, have it right in front of you. Uh, I sure I sure do. Um, th- thank you for reminding me about the copy paper, because coincidentally, uh, this week is actually brought to us by Jacob Johnson and Affiliates, uh, 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 dot co, uh, <laughs> dot lib uh apparently uh, are uh our uh, sponsors this week and they specialize in making copy paper for sponsors so have you got a sponsor on your program that you need to to sponsor but can't remember them well check out whatever the fuck i just said and uh they'll they'll hook you up and, and get you a good sponsor so you can finally stop improvising all all your all your show sponsors and actually remember what they are just like i did right now isn't that something johnson now, and whatever the fuck i said now if i if i uh understand correctly uh, you J- sure do jacob johnson and affiliates dot co dot lib is uh in fact a subsidiary of the sponsor shelf um oh god <laughs> are so, they oh no well yeah because i mean you need to have the copy papers for your books on your sponsor shelf. Uh, so, all hail the sponsor shelf. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm looking back at the copy paper now, and all the. You'll see how the letters are like reassembling themselves. Yeah, that's pretty weird, man. Yeah, it's like yeah. a pentagram. That's weird. What's up with that? Um, Should I return this? It's probably. No, no, definitely oh, not, not. Okay, don't return it. What I would say is it almost certainly has nothing to do with the three new sponsor shelves that have appeared in the apartment. Nah, nah, I couldn't definitely. Do it. Nah. Nah, that's, 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 just, crazy. that's just a fluke. Yeah. Well, that'll bring us to the end of this week's episode. Ben, what's on our schedule for next week? I believe it is your pick. 
My pick? Actually, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, shit. Uh, okay. Well, then next week, we're going to be talking about Werner Herzog's 1977 remake of Nosferatu. It's a film that I've seen many times. I love it, and uh, I'm excited to watch it again and talk about it. Have either of you seen this movie? I have. I actually yeah, I have a projector not. Uh, out at a friend's farm on Halloween. Oh, fantastic. It was rad. We sat, on, we, sat on, uh, we sat on Bales of Hay. We watched it. Dope. Yeah, nice. I'm excited. Werner so, Herzog's uh, one of my favorite, but this is one of the ones that I actually haven't seen. So Cool. I'm excited. Oh, really? I, I, love, mm-hmm. I love this movie. I'm curious. I was 18 when I saw it last time, and I was a little jaded. So I, I'd, I'd like to see how I feel about it now. I think, I think I'll probably be a little bit more open to it. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious because, uh, this is one of, probably one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty excited. So stay tuned next week for Nosferatu. Until then, if you like the show and you want to hear more, then go on to the podcast place, you know, where you get all of your podcasts. If you're listening to this, you're already there. You're already there. (laughs) And all you got to do is look for for the stars and uh, smash the fuck out of the five stars. Smash it. Unless it's out of ten. Unless it's out of ten, then smash the ten stars. But as far as I know, (laughs) most of them are out of five. Um, And after you've smashed the five so hard that you've broken your phone or your keyboard or Or your fingers or your fingers or whatever you're doing this on then hopefully not your fingers because you're going to need them to also leave us a nice thankfully after the five you most likely have two hands you probably do have two hands maybe more but that's also to say this is not an ableist podcast so if you don't have two hands that's fine Use your nose. Uh, text whatever to, you do use, we're not going to assume. Speech. Yeah, whatever. Um, the point is, is leave us a nice review as well, and follow us on Twitter also at PodPeoplePod and on Letterboxd, where we have a whole list of all of the films we've talked about on the show, with our average ratings and the links to the corresponding episodes. That's Letterboxd.com/PodPeoplePod. Yeah, hit that up. You might disagree with some things. Yeah, we'd love to hear your all, opinions. On almost Twitter. certainly. Yeah, if you if you want to disagree with us about something, feel free to do so on Twitter. Or you can email oh, Cleveland Mosher at yahoo.com. Bummer. <laughs> Got him. Oh yeah, sure did. You can actually find me on or we're doing with the ref the Okay, go. Yeah. You can actually <laughs> find me on uh Art Station, primarily, uh Cleveland Mosher or Iron Prism, uh as well as tweeting for the Light Arc Studio Twitter account. Uh, we've got some cool stuff going on right now. You should check out our website at lightarkstudio.com, uh, or just Google It Stares Back, uh, and Join check out Discord. this cool game that we're working on. It's all cybernetic, medieval, astral, electro-horror. It's rad, um, and we're it's very proud dope. of it. Uh, yeah, join, join yeah. our Discord. Um, that's where you can get the game right now. Yeah, uh, and and watch us work on the game in real time, and join our super cool community of people that we've we've kind of gathered together. True story. And we also uh, Twitch stream us playing video games sometimes, usually every Thursday night. Um, so far, that's been really fun. So if you wanna, it's been a blast. Yeah. If you wanna watch us play video games or watch Cleveland paint in real time, that all of that can be found uh, through our Discord. Oh man, so. if you like watching paint dry, have I got the channel <laughs> for you. <laughs> uh, yeah, you can uh, follow me personally on Twitter at Mr. Van Awesome, and I'm at Mr. Sheets. And uh, yeah, that should 
that should wrap it all up. Thanks for listening. Tune back next week for some uh, some excellent vampire, blood-sucking horror spectacular. Until then, stay out of the green rooms. And most importantly, mom and dad opposites occur simultaneously with a baby birth, with the potential for creating opposite burritos existing only as opposites and a zero value existence. I cancel to one.